This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Class Podcast. Because marriage without maintenance will break. Together, we are learning how to make marriage and love better. A house may need upgrading to realize its full potential. Likewise, your love and marriage will need updating to keep things new and exciting. Listen in on our live recording to discover how to update your marriage. If you enjoy this podcast, consider sharing it with a friend. So here it is. Five ways to update your marriage. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Now, as we've been going through, our theme is fixing up a house, fixer-upper marriage is what, what we call it, but upgrading your fixer-upper. Now, fixing up a house requires updating and upgrading many of its features. And when you look at a house, you have to see the better in the house that you already have when you're going to fix up a house. It's not like buying a new house. You're fixing up something that you already own, something that you already have. You know, a similar way, your marriage relationship may require you to identify and update many of its features and find the better things that God has that has already given you in the marriage that you had. And we read this morning, the husbands love their wife and the purpose that he might sanctify the church. God loves the church because he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. He loves the church and wants to make the church better. And that's the way we should be in our marriage. We should love each other and want to make each other and ourselves better in the process. But number one, five ways to update your marriage. This is our subject today. Five ways to update your marriage. Number one, learn how to speak their love language. Learn how to speak your spouse's love language. In an international best-selling book, you may have heard of it, The Five Love Languages. Author Gary Chapman reveals five love languages that he identified in counseling. And what he does in his book that he wrote, he goes through and he has, he gives examples of couples that he counseled in marriage counseling and he illustrates how they each had their own way of speaking to each other. They each had their own love languages. I would recommend this book. I'll have a link in the notes when I get it up on our website. I'd highly recommend it. It's relatable and it's fun. I've actually been through it a couple of times. But here, here are the five love languages that he identifies and he lists. I will read these to you. Number one, words of affirmation. That's a love language that some people have. Everybody may use some of these to show love, but it's a primary thing. Everybody has a primary thing that that they have. Number one, words of affirmation Two, quality time. Some people show love in quality time. Number three, some people show receiving gifts and some people show their love in acts of service. And some people show their love with physical touch. But these five things, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, physical touch. And number one was Words of affirmation. And it's kind of like this. You know what? If you were in love with someone that didn't speak English, they didn't know your language, and they may love you and you may love them, but it would be hard to communicate that to them if they spoke a different language, right? If my wife was speaking Spanish and I didn't know Spanish and she was telling me that she loved me, I'd have a hard time understanding that, although maybe I do know a little bit of Spanish, maybe. 
but it would be hard to understand. It's like a, a radio. You ever used a two-way radio? It's like you're talking in a two-way radio, and the person who has the other end of the radio is on a totally different channel. So you're trying to talk to this person. You may be giving special instructions over the radio, but if that other person isn't tuned to the same channel you are, you're just wasting your breath. You're wasting your time. So the point of this is that you are able to talk on the same channel, that you're on the same communication, that you're both both tuned into the same love way of communicating. But learn how to appreciate your spouse's love language. You know, we all have different dialects of love languages that we speak. You know, it's not just the book that this particular man wrote, but we all have these different dialects. Maybe it's not exactly like what is described, but we all express love in our own unique ways. You know, it's based on our personalities and things that we've been through. Maybe someone significantly, someone significant to you never used words of affirmation. They never said things that, that were encouraging to you. They never said the words, I love you. And then we go into marriage and maybe we continue that. We don't say that. Or maybe, as is my case, my father never said the words, I love you. I don't ever remember. I know my dad loved me. But I don't ever remember my dad saying, I love you. I never remember him saying, hey, I'm proud of you, son. He never said those words, although I'm sure that he was. He was a very good man. He's, he's, still, he's still around. He's not himself as he used to be, but he's, he, I know he loved all of us, but he never said those words. And so I grew up never having heard those words. And then I got married. And now that's something that I do. That's kind of like my thing that I do. That's the way I express love is through affirming words. And I make sure that I tell my girls that I love them all the time. And you know what? I'll even tell them that I'm proud of them when they do something good. I go out of my way to make sure that they know that hey, I, I, you, I'm proud of you for what you did. I'm proud of you for making these good grades in school. I'm proud of you for doing your schoolwork like you're supposed to, supposed to do. But I, I speak a language of affirming words, and it's because I'm opposite of what I experienced, because of what I experienced. Now, this is what's important to me, and sometimes maybe you just repeat what's been done to you. Maybe you, my dad, I guess his main thing was in in acts of service. So he did acts of service to show that he loved us by taking care of our family and meeting our needs and making sure we had food on the table and that the bills were paid. But we have all have our different things that we do. You know, my primary love language is words of affirmation, but my wife is different. She says she has all of them, but really I think hers is quality time. She really, that's something really important. And for me to stop what I'm doing and completely focus my intention on her is what she means by quality time. That's real important. She shows love in quality time and she hungers for that and she thirst for that. She wants that in our marriage. You know what? Sometimes that's hard for me to do because I just want to say, hey, I love you. You're beautiful. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. But for me to stop what I'm doing is a big deal for me because I'm not one of these people that's always doing something. I'm always productive. My mind is always going, I don't know how to do nothing. I always have something on my mind. I'm always preoccupied. I'm like the nutty professor. I've always got something on my mind and I'm tripping over drop cords and running in the walls. And I'm always thinking about something, always trying to do something, always trying to fill up my time with something. But you know what? But I have to learn to speak. I, learned, I have to learn to speak her language. I have to learn to, to take time, to spend quality time with her. And when I, when I spend quality time with her, and then she gets it. 
then, she, then we make this connection because we're both on the same channel, right? We're both tuned to the same channel, even though I had to put forth the effort to learn a little bit different language or a different dialect that maybe I'm not used to or maybe I'm not natural at doing. And we all have a tendency to filter everything through our own love language that we speak. It's as if we don't recognize love that's expressed in a different way than what we're used to. You know what? It may be your spouse is, you may feel like, man, my spouse doesn't love me. Well, maybe your spouse does. It's like my dad. If I'd have thought, man, my dad doesn't love me. No, my dad showed he loved me through acts of service. You know what? It's something you have to recognize. You know what? Maybe my spouse does love me, but maybe she's showing me that in a different way than what I may be thinking because I'm filtering everything by what I, the way I feel and the way I experience, the way I want to communicate love and the way I want to be taught to. I want words of affirmation. I want words of encouragement. And then I want to go on with my life and be done with it, right? But that's the language that I speak. But my wife speaks a different language. And we all speak different languages. Some people speak languages where they want to get gifts. And you know what? It doesn't have to be big gifts. They just want to receive something, just a thought that you got gifts. And you know, my wife, she likes that. She likes for me to get her gifts, but that's not her primary thing. But a lot of, a lot of women, that is a big deal. They want to receive gifts. It doesn't have to be something big, just something you thought of them and that you took the time to do that. You're speaking in their language. But sometimes we have a tendency to filter our lives through those things. But, but learn to become fluent in your spouse's love language and it will help you. You know, the best way to learn a foreign language is to practice it. When you start practicing a language that you're not used to speaking, that you're not good at, and you start to learn it, and you start trying to learn how to speak someone else's tongue, someone else's language, the best way to do it is to practice it. It's just to do it, just to start talking. If you want to learn Spanish, start speaking Spanish and get around Spanish people. There's a lot of them in Greer, right? You get around somebody and, and you can learn how to speak Spanish. If you really want to, you can apply yourself and you can learn. You can, you, but you practice it. You can even learn to, to speak their particular dialect of a language. And it's the same way with our love language. You know what? If you just put forth the effort, you know, for, for instance, my wife likes to spend quality time, right? If I put forth the effort to learn her language, even though it's not native to me, even though I'm all the time wanting to do something productive with my time, I'm all the time wanting to see the results of what I'm doing. I have to see results. And what I can't just go out and sit in the front front yard. I got to cut the grass. I have to see results of my time. But you know what? If I learn how to speak her language and I practice that every day, I'll become fluent in it. I'll become good at it. And that's the way it is in our marriage. We have to learn how to be fluent in our spouse's language. But number two, Discover the good in the person your spouse is. Five ways to update your, your marriage. Number two, discover the good in the person that your spouse is. The Bible says this. I'm going to read this to you in Ephesians chapter four in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. But speaking the truth in love. Marriage reveals the power of truth. Now, all your faults are exposed in the act of being married in ways that are not possible in any other relationship. You know what? My wife knows me better than anyone else in the world. It's this intimate relationship that we have. You know, marriage, it pulls all the covers off our faults and failures. Our spouse can see everything, all the ugliness about us, all the things that are wrong with us and the things that we're able to hide from other people. 
I mean, the problems that other people don't know we have and we're able to successfully hide when we're out in public and we're out in life and we're at work and when we're at church. You know what? When I'm with my spouse, I can no longer hide those things because we live together. We're with each other every moment of every day. We are our lives revolve around one another and our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with each other. But marriage reveals our faults and our failures. It reveals our fears. If you have, if you are a fearful person or an anxious person, marriage reveals it. It reveals our self-centeredness. You know, maybe we can hide the fact that we're really self-centered when we're around other people. But when you're with your spouse, when you live every day with somebody, it shows your self-centeredness. Maybe our moral failings, those faults that we have. And maybe you're full of pride. You know, we can hide it around other people when we're with our spouse. We can't really hide those things. It, the, the marriage reveals the power of truth. There's a realness. There's a truthfulness when we're with our spouse. We are who we really are when we're with one another. You know, in living together and sharing all these parts, sharing all our lives together, we learn all the ugly parts of each other as well. You know, you learn the parts that you tried to hide when you were dating. You discover the stranger in your spouse. It's like, you know, you're, you're courting each other and you're in love and you're, you know, you put on your best face and you look your best. And then when you get married, it's not long before you start to find some things that you didn't know about each other, right? You discover some things about each other. It's like, wait a minute. You're, a, this is a stranger. This is the person that I dated. You know what, we, and then the, your spouse probably feels the same way. Hey, wait a minute. This isn't the way you portrayed when we were dating, but that's the way life is. That's the way marriage is. It reveals the truth about us. You know what? Sometimes when we confront our spouse about their sin, we confront them in love. But we know about those things with our spouse. Don't we? we know about the problems and the failings of our spouse and in our marriage. You know what? It is, it is therefore the design of marriage to make us better by exposing those weaknesses to each other. In that vulnerability, when our hidden parts are exposed to one another, this is an incredible opportunity to make ourselves better, to make us more like the Lord, to make us more like Jesus. It puts us in this incredible position that can only be taught by the relationship of Christ and the church. We're like a miniature version of the judgment seat of Christ where all things are open and exposed. Listen to this. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto him of him we have to do. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 13. So our marriage is like that. God sees everything about us. Everything is open and revealed to him. We're in marriage. It's like a miniature version of that. All these things that we have that are wrong with us, our spouse sees them. That truth comes out of who we really are. We become vulnerable to the person that we love. Marriage expresses the power of love. Marriage expresses the power of love. You know, love has an unbelievable power of healing and forgiveness. It's not matched by any other relationship in this world. To love each other in spite of all our faults and all the failures that we have. To love through the recovery of mistakes and missteps. To love through our hurt and the damages that we have in our life, that we have to deal with. Love has the power to change who you are as a person. You know what? If my wife thinks I'm Superman, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me. Just to know that my wife thinks so much of me. And if your husband tells you that you're beautiful, it doesn't matter what anybody else in the world thinks, right? Because the person who is the most important person in the world to you Thanks that you are beautiful. We see the power of love, the power that it has, 
the power that we're given in the marriage relationship to, to change each other. And you can change your spouse the way they feel about themselves by, by giving them words of affirmation, by giving them these words, giving them expressions of love every day. You can change each other and change yourself in the process. It not only changes your spouse, but it changes you. Marriage is a means of making you like Jesus. Marriage is like the vehicle that carries us to a destination. And that destination is to make us like the Lord. And the things that we go through every day as a married couple, they're designed to make us, to conform us in the image of Jesus Christ. Being confident in this very thing, that we, He which hath begun a good work in you, We'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's Philippians chapter 1 in verse number 6. But not only that, the new person that you desire can be found in the spouse that you already have. You ever met anybody like that? They want, a lot of people are like this. You know, we get married and you fall in love. You've been married for a while and you're looking for a different person, right? We're going to get divorced and find someone that doesn't have all these faults and all these failures. Well, guess what? The new per- the other person is going to have faults and failures too. They're going to have problems. But you can find the new person that you're looking for in the spouse that you already have. It's like that house that needs fixing up, right? When you look at it and you see all the things that it needs, well, really, the things that you want are there. You just have to fix things up. You just have to make things better. You just have to look for the good in the spouse that God has already given you. It's just natural in us to try to find the best mate that we absolutely can. We want to, it's just, you want to find, it's like something that God put in us. We want to find the best person for us. But you know what? That best person for you, the best person that God has for you is, guess what? The person that you're married to. God has designed marriage to make us better. God has designed marriage to make us something better than we are. Through His grace and His purposes, you can find the person who is, guess what? The perfect match for you, not online, but in the marriage that you already have. Why start over with someone else who who has faults and failures when you have the power, when you have the power through God's grace to start over in the one that you have? The person, the new person that you desire, you can find in a spouse that you already have. Number three, choose to love your spouse. Choose to love your spouse. We all know this when we've been married for a little while, but love has an expiration date, doesn't it? Don't know what it is for everybody, but for everybody, it's a little bit different. And in, as I prepared for this lesson, I tried to look, at, look up some stats and several people referenced some things, but I couldn't find where it's coming from. I looked, but couldn't find it. But marriage experts, people that know a lot more than me, say that the passion of love when you first meet and you're just falling madly in love with each other, it averages two to three years before it falls off. And in some cases, it can last up to seven years. I guess that's, I've heard that number before, seven years, but whatever. We all know it's the truth, right? That passion, that love, that romance, when you're madly in love and you're just, you're just infatuated with each other and the whole world just centers around each other, right? It like has this expiration date. Like one day you just find out, I just feel like I'm not in love. Things are not like they used to be. And I wish they were like they used to be, but love has, love is that way. That feeling of love, it has that intense feelings of falling in love. It just becomes diluted over time. It could be unique to everyone, but it happens regardless. You know, we've all heard the story of the couple. We just don't love each other anymore. Right? We've fallen out of love. And love is like one of these things that we just fall hopelessly in love, right? Most people that I know, they, they got married because they fell in love, right? It just, we just 
fell in love with each other and we got married. And that's the way it is. But that falling in love, that that notion of just being hopelessly in love with each other. But eventually it starts to fade. I mean, life starts to happen. You commit to this person, then you have a career and then you have kids and you have problems in life. And all of a sudden, those incredible, overwhelming feelings of romance, those incredible, overwhelming power of feeling you're out of control, you're falling in love. It just seems to fade because of all the problems that you have in your marriage. But love has like an expiration date. But that's when you take those vows that you made to each other. And that's when you make the choice to choose to love each other despite your faults, despite how you feel, despite the fact that you had kids, right? Despite the fact that that you have problems and despite the fact that you may have had career changes or things that happen in life. Make a deliberate decision to love your spouse. At some point, it happens in every marriage relationship that survives. You have to make a decision to love one another. You have to make a decision to honor the vow that you make. As life changes, as you change, as your spouse change, you have to make the decision. You know, theologian Stanley Harwis worded it in a good way. I don't know a lot about him. I may not agree with everything he says, but this is a good way to word it. He put it in his article, You Never Marry the Right Person, was the title of an article he wrote. The primary challenge, this way he said, the primary challenge of marriage is learning how to care for the stranger to whom you find yourself married. It's the way it is, isn't it? The primary The primary challenge of marriage is learning how to care for the stranger to whom you find yourself married. You know, you think you know each other when you get married, but you know, you soon discover all those little hidden things, right? And this is true. Life changes us. Life changes are inevitable. Life events, age, circumstances, they change us. And that's why it's so critical to hold on to those vows and to make a deliberate decision to love each other. You can make the decision to love your spouse. You know what? I am married to my wife and I'm making the choosing to love her. And that's the way it is with the Lord with us, isn't it? He has to choose to love. It's not always easy to love me. I know me and I could imagine it's not easy for God to love someone like me. We have to make the choice. And this is the shadow of the covenant that God has with the believing sinner the renewal of love that's based on the covenant that we have with our spouse. We say, I'm making a decision to love you because I made this covenant with you. I put that ring on your finger. It's just like that covenant of, of Christ and believer, isn't it? He makes that. He makes that covenant with us. Number four, date like you want another date. Date like you want another date. Dating is a search for your soulmate, regardless of what you call it, whether courting or dating. Dating is a search for your soulmate. You find someone that you're interested in and Maybe you want to go out to eat together and we, you're kind of interested in that person. Maybe you like the way they look and you start to talk to them or you get to know a little bit about them. And maybe you're not so interested anymore. Maybe they have something in their past and, and you don't want to have that second date, right? Maybe they've got something. Maybe, oh, he's had prison time. You know, you, he puts his hand out and there's a prison dad on his arm. Or maybe your wife, you realize, hey, wait a minute, there were some issues in, or the person you're talking to, you're interested in. Hey, there's some issues here. We don't want to have, you find a flaw that makes that person unattractive. But then you finally find that right one, like it was when I met my wife and we had that first date, so to speak, and we talked for the first time and we were interested. I really wanted the next date. 
I really wanted the next phone call. I really was waiting on the next email because I was very interested. And the more we got to know each other, the more we liked each other. And as love stories all go, your search finally wins in that one you're interested in. And it starts you on this journey where you fall in love and you get married. You pop the question and you just fall hopelessly in love. But dating is a search for your soulmate. Dating is a search for your soulmate. Date your spouse. You know, treating your spouse like you want to earn that second date with them. You go on a date, I want to earn another date with you. I love you so much that I want to treat you that way. In dating your spouse, you recreate those feelings that you first had when you're just falling in love and you were pursuing one another. You can relive those feelings, experience them, fall, falling in love if you just treat your spouse the way you did when you first met. Hey, I'm interested in you. I want to treat this date like I want another date. I want to be good to you because I want to have another date with you. Number five, learn to share things in common. Learn to share things in common. Notice the interest of your spouse. Pay attention to things that your spouse finds interesting. Listen to clues that may reveal what they want and then involve yourself in those interest, interested things that they're interested in. Become involved in things that your spouse, maybe you, you ever heard the people say, we just don't have anything in common anymore. You know, you can find things in common with your spouse. For example, you may have to go to a play or watch a romantic movie instead of an action uh, an action movie, right? You maybe you need to watch a romantic movie with your spouse because that's something that she's interested in. Or maybe you go to a play instead of going hunting or fishing. Or perhaps you could go to a sporting event with your husband or watch a sporting event together. But by discovering your spouse's interest, you can discover new things and develop new things that you both have in common by finding those things that you're interested in. So in conclusion, five ways to, fi five ways to update your marriage. Number one, Learn how to speak their love language. Number two, discover the good in the person that your spouse is. Number three, choose to love your spouse. Number four, date them like you want another date. And number five, learn to share things in common. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you for the privilege to uh, be a Christian and be saved. And the, the wonderful opportunity is to be married. And I pray that we would take the opportunity to be married to allow you to shape us and make us more into the image of your dear son. Well, I pray that you help us to take these principles that we've learned today and apply them to our marriages. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen.